Hey guys, welcome to another Thought Experiment. I'm your host, Semar. Follow me as we check out another style of thinking about the world. Alright, how's it going everybody? I am going to sit in front of some post-it notes that I've been jotting ideas down on and I'm going to run a new type of experiment this evening. Uh, Essentially what I've done is very simple. I listened to a few episodes of podcasts from particular interests that I have Predominantly tonight, those of education and probably a little bit of, uh, let's say, anthropology slash evolutionary psychology and technology as well. They, everything always intersects, but essentially what I'm doing tonight is listen to a podcast episode, generate some thoughts, generate some ideas, uh, write them down on post-it notes in their own sort of little chunks of ideas, and I'm now sitting in front of my table, which has an array of two by four fluorescent yellow small squared post-it notes, each with their own idea. I think you get the point. And I'm essentially just going to start talking to them. And as I start talking to them, I'm hoping that that's going to generate some thought. And most probably, if I was going to make any sort of little um, prediction right now, I think what's going to happen is it's going to erupt into a giant thought bubble of a whole bunch of things that intersect or are essentially connected in some background way, perhaps even more so on the surface, more than um, I could have ever known if I just thought about them in isolation. So here we go. First post-it note, stop ranting, Sam, is labeling holidays with books. Maybe the pilgrimage had a physical and environmental uh, impact on the, the idea of the book and how I mean that is this. So I found myself reminiscing on holidays uh, and when some of the thoughts or visions from that holiday came to mind, I found that some of the first things and perhaps most of the time the only thing um, was that I had read a book on that holiday. So I get these quick little clip visions of me reading a book and thinking, oh, I remember that holiday, I read Sapiens. Oh, I remember that holiday, I read DeGrasse Tyson. Oh, I remember that holiday, I read uh, Stephen Pinker, Enlightenment Now. Oh, Stephen Hawking. And, and honestly, even as, as I start rattling off books there, what I'm beginning to realize is I can get quite obsessed by different ideology and... I guess what I'm trying to do is look at that because I mean that in the frankest of senses that I feel like I've got a bit of a uh, tendency toward learning new things, which I guess is cool. But anyway, it was just interesting to note that um, what I was thinking was perhaps the reason some of these books were so impactful uh, and that they pertained the majority of the visions that I had instantly when reminiscing on holidays was the fact that I was actually on holiday as well. So that idea of an environment really invoking or uh, stratifying or uh, building some sort of a scaffold for 
these ideas and and therefore by being in the presence of a different environment perhaps in my case ones that were really closely attached to nature um, and then sort of reading the ideas in that context really helped to build some sort of a deep and meaningful learning experience I guess I don't know how else to say it without it saying woo woo but if I was going to describe the feeling that I got when I read the books on the holiday in the environments that I read those books I would say it felt meaningful and I don't know how else to, I don't know how to get it out of that fuzzy zone of just being meaningful but um there we go so uh that was one post-it note let's look at uh okay this is the first one I wrote and the question was uh because predominantly these little post-it notes uh, are questions followed by perhaps a little dot point on what to talk about and this question was can the older generation of gaming engines provide a platform for training um and when i talk about training i'm talking in terms of specificity for particular different um physical sports um i think some of the most obvious Uh, connections that I was making when I had this thought was that I was thinking about the old Counter-Strike and the old Counter-Strike engine that I played on when I was uh, when I was gaming a lot when I was younger and I could go off and I'm going to go off on a tangent in a a little bit about how gaming um, how much I've been thinking about gaming anyway later but what I was thinking about particularly with this poster note was the idea that the old engine whatever year it was or software model or whatever i don't i'm not that techie when it comes to naming those things whatever that engine was was so basic in a sense to kids these days and and i say i say that i should break that up but it's the engines that existed then and supported uh some of those sort of multiplayer uh fighter games like counter-strike they at least to my understanding they were quite primitive in terms of what there is today and they weren't really used um particularly when i was playing it like you didn't you didn't communicate that much and i think i I was listening to i think i was listening to rogan talk about this actually i think he's recently set up a uh, a lan in his studio and they're playing quake again but they were talking about the fact that when they played quake back in the day you didn't you didn't speak through microphones. You had text. You had to type something to people if you wanted to say something, right? So, so holding on to that thought of, of that sort of, at least in retrospect, we see that perhaps as being a primitive engine that could only allow you to type what you were talking and therefore maybe stifled a bit of creativity or, sorry, a bit of connectivity. I'm thinking that if we were to expose people to that simple engine, and when I say simple, I just mean really devoid of any um, advanced communication and, and advanced, I guess I'm just talking about audio, we can hear each other. Um, perhaps you can, you can train the brain in terms of the different neural pathways or the neural structures that one might achieve through a physical sport training or training for a physical sport. I'm going to use the example of touch football or Oztag or rugby league. Um, what type of neuro pathways are created or structured during those types of um, bodily functions, those types of concepts of teamwork on the field, two lines running at each other, overlapping on angles, creating divisive plays where one 
uh, one player on one side teams up without... Mm, well, they do communicate. But I think the thing is you're not fully... Yell- at least you're communicating in code sometimes because you're trying to conceal backplay communication by turning your back. And Anyway, I guess what I'm getting at here is the, the, the type of communication that is allowed on some of those older Counter-Strike... The older Counter-Strike engine, I'm just going to use that, the Steam engine, may have had effects on me. Hmm, maybe that's why I'm drawn to this because I see the connection in myself. Perhaps what happened, maybe, I don't know, it's just a thought, was there a benefit in playing Counter-Strike and training my brain in that particular manner where there wasn't much communication, but very tactical, strategical, strategical and existing in a group gameplay, Uh, essentially waves, essentially lines, albeit not in line formation as one would expect from the depth of a north queensland backline perhaps it was an advantage it's so funny in saying that because that makes me sound like i'm saying i found i think i'm really good at football and i'm not what i'm saying is i think that i think that maybe the interests aligned and perhaps they aligned simply because i found them to be a creative outlet that the structure of my brain achieved because of playing them. Either in isolation at different times or together. I'm not quite sure, but mm, interesting thought. Anyway, let's move on. Um, I've got some post-it notes in front of me that I do think I'm going to actually hold on to for um, their own episodes. So stay tuned for some upcoming ideas and thoughts that I'm having at the moment and, and more experiments like this. I'm really trying to look at different, look at different ways of organizing, um, organizing in general in terms of like how I would uh, expose myself perhaps to information and then respond or reflect to that information. And um, I, I think I'm going to look at some traditional methods like I have done tonight with post-it notes Um, upon just listening to people and writing it down with pen and paper void of technology and then placing um, you know objects pictures lists little notes on walls in that sort of that kind of like you know I think of a Pinterest board effect but you know the, the scrapbooking on the wall I'm looking at this like I'm in some episode of CSI I'm trying to connect all these weird dots yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, and I, I think you, I think you get what I mean by saying that. But um, let's have a look at one more. Okay, the the podcast actually I listened tonight. One of them was uh, an anthropologist named. I wrote her name down on a piece of paper. Mimi Ito, she's a cultural anthropologist, I believe, and uh, she featured on an Edu Surge podcast. I'm not sure. I'll put the the date in the the, the link to the show in the description because it was a very good episode. And uh, he and she, sorry, she and the host spoke specifically about, I guess, what um, cultural anthropology has to say about education and the, uh, the evolution of education over time. So, uh, this post-it note I've got here 
the question I've got, and I am going to drive these thoughts from questions. I feel like if I have a question in my head or in my hand or whatever, I can speak to it. And that kind of sounds a little bit airy-fairy, but in the sense, it means exactly that. I am looking at a physical object that has inscribed ideas upon it, and I'm going to speak to it, which is essentially the same thing as speaking to the idea. Anyway, I'll waffle less next time when I do this. Um, um, Oh yeah, another note I've got here on the same post note is early education of basic brain function. And that was kind of just a thought I was having in the moment about the idea of uh, exposing younger students or children to those quite, I mean, abstracts one way of putting it, but quite um, deep ideas about how your brain works. So, and I mean that in, in a pretty, like, at least to start with, a pretty mechanical sense, you know, I'm talking about looking at visuals of the brain, cross-sections, you know, um, and being able to, you know, identify, label, uh, and understand how different areas of the brain have different functions within your own experience. And that might sound quite deep and Maybe it is, but and, and perhaps there's a better way of starting this journey because it's very easy with these things to get kind of um, blown right out in the cosmos early, you know. You can find yourself out past the Kuiper belt before you've even started talking about it. And when things are that abstract and too far away from our understanding of things, it can be, it can be hard to grasp at first and one can also become deterred from even wanting to engage in that in the future because... Well, your brain kind of shuts down to those things. Don't ask me how that works. I don't know. But uh, we can talk about it with the kids early and we can let them know perhaps that some areas of the brain do some very simple things like this is where your memories seem to be coming from. And this part of your brain is the oldest part. And if we think about you as an animal and in a body and as a part of a biological system, these parts of you, these organs have been around for a long time and they've developed over a long time. And see, I'm already going down different pathways of evolution and the idea of um, like biological organs (laughs) somehow creating the consciousness that we all seem to be experiencing anyway. So um, I think it's a good thing. (laughs) that's right that's why I started talking about this I think it's a good thing Um, again like I said don't go this deep with the with the children early but I feel like there's a benefit in starting early and um, that arises another thought Um, and, and that is what I've been thinking about a lot lately like this idea of compound interest and just building up bit by bit over time and um You know, there's something to be said. You can talk about compound interest in the same sentence as one can talk about great artists as they say, um, you know, we we all exist on the shoulders of giants and artists or uh, probably probably got that wrong. But you know what I'm saying? That that concept of um, if we make the connection between a compound interest and a little bit over time ends up being a doozy bit and exponential growth might come in and all that sort of thing. And the idea that as a human being, we essentially ideologically and um, technologically stand on the shoulders of our forebearers, the people before us. 
on the tops of giants because we've become so large in this um, progression of our existence. This this large um, body of technology and knowledge that we have now essentially is a thing because it, you know although it can exist in isolation, everything when it comes together um, forms this immutable immutable, incomprehensible mass of understanding our environment. And we literally learn. <laughs> I like that sounds funny to say you literally learn. I probably literally use literally in the wrong context here. But we learn about the world because of the things the people before us come to un- came to understand. And we need to acknowledge that. Um All those little bits over time have built up and compounded into our greatest interests that we have today. And um, I think that's really important to think about when we're talking about things like innovation. Innovation essentially is, um, and this sounds kind of weird and I'm going to say it, but I don't know if I believe it yet. I think innovation is almost imperative. And there's something in me that pauses when I say that because I'm not quite sure I've thought that through enough. But at least the role I was on just then in terms of what I was thinking about was really kind of pushing this idea that if we do not innovate, then we get left behind. If we do not climb the ladder higher, then our forebearers would have climbed their ladders for no reason. Hmm. I don't know. That's kind of philosophical. But it's worth thinking about. I'm going to push that one to the side. Oh, yeah. Um, Miss Mimi Ito, the anthropologist, was talking. um, uh, I can't remember exactly what she said, but the note I wrote down at the time, thank goodness I did, was big picture trend or trends. And then I think I wrote this note as if it was going to be a title Ah, there's going to be a title and a subtitle for an episode I want to do. Let's talk about it now anyway. Big picture trend. Let's talk numbers. Find three to chat about. Okay, so I've made a note. This idea has been structured for me in my brain on a piece of paper. I've written a title as if the title is going to be the title of a new episode. And then I've done dash. And there's a small... Uh, subtitle that says let's talk numbers and I can remember it now as I look at it because a note underneath says find three to chat about what I'm gonna do and what I think I should do um, is perhaps find just three basic at least in the very start three basic like big um, meta-analysis level um, big picture meta-analysis trend sets oh my god I'm, I'm trying to talk like I'm a scientist but, but, but I'm not Um, find some big stats and talk about them and and I guess see what they mean and what they might mean in context um, or in relationship with one another. Um, All right, here, we've got another one here. Has engagement changed? Do kids engage differently? No, but seriously, have neural pathways previously unstructured caused morphic resonance? I'm glad I wrote that one down. Um... Um, morphic resonance there's something about that that really hit me it's one of those it's one of those 
don't know how to categorize these types of ideas, at least in my own context anyway. It's not that I'm worried about that as an idea. I think that there's just, I'm not even sure that we have the capacity to really test that properly. And I am a self-admitted dummy and I do not do science, but I do like to think about it. And I can't think of any way <laughs> that we might be able to figure that out. And I guess it's not up to me. But um, there's an interesting idea there that Rupert Sheldrick puts forward because he essentially talks about this thought or this idea or this hypothesis or this theory. I'm not sure where we'd put it. I haven't read it properly. Um, that morphic resonance is essentially this thing that exists. And let's say, for example, on one side of the planet, you teach a pod of dolphins to maybe pod of dolphins isn't right perhaps it's done in mouse models or smaller rodent models i'm not sure but let's just say you find a rather primitive animal you teach it how to do something in the northern hemisphere and or they learn how to do so on their own accord in their natural environment in the northern hemisphere then over time the southern hemisphere um, uh, uh, family members of the same species essentially pick up or uh, Darwinistically evolve those traits within their own sort of mechanisms to interact with the environment around them. Interesting idea because when I was thinking and listening to me, uh, Mimi Ito, I was thinking that, she, I mean, she was talking a lot about how engagement has changed. And just bear with me, this is a long route, but I'm gonna come back to what I was talking about with Sheldrick before. But if we think about that idea that engagement has changed, and I'm really feeling it myself, um, putting my own personal experiences aside, I do feel like I observe in the classroom a large amount of, maybe not a large amount, but a, a significant shift in the styles of engagement that I would have assumed children had at those ages. And I guess I say that because I was a child once at those age and I don't remember being engaged in the same ways that they were now. And you know, what, does, what, what sort of part does technology play in this? What, what sort of part does the advent of a social media culture essentially have in the way engagement um, on a societal level shifts, you know, either metaculturally or in the, in the various subgenres or subcultures that exist all over this planet? How, do, how does technology change those things? And I don't know if I'm, if, look, if Mr. No Science here is telling you that he's seen some, some sort of shift in it, you know, perhaps there are people out there who have seen significant shifts. And if we start to talk about this concept, who knows, we might be digging for absolutely nothing. But we might also be digging for something quite interesting. And um, look, let's just say that it is the case that social media or technology in some way is shaping the way our engagement functions in the environment. Then we'd be silly not to talk about that, especially if we want to consider continuing the education model that we have today. Things have got to change, not necessarily because, you know, whoever upstairs wants it to change. No, 
because society is telling us that these things must change. Which is essentially why I came to that harsh point before about that I wasn't sure I even believed in, that innovation is imperative. And now that I think about this out in the open, I'm beginning to think more and more that maybe it is imperative, but it still scares me. That's a thought for another day. All right, guys, I'm pretty exhausted. Um, That's one experiment I'm going to definitely revisit. I really enjoyed just sitting back, listening to a podcast on a particular topic um, and going old school, getting a pen, handwriting some post-it notes on some sick fluoro paper, and then sitting in front of them and talking to them. I'll be doing that again. Hopefully you can join me soon. And um, until now or until then, join me on all the different podcast sites you can think of. That's right, all of them. Don't know how I got there. Uh, I did. Let's just say it wasn't that easy and perhaps I'll tell you how I did it in another episode. See you soon.